Bigley and Marotta. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bigley Blast. The Cardinals are in a dangerous place because they are in last place because they haven't won a home game in almost a year and because they have officially entered the realm of desperation. Desperate as in a GM and a head coach, desperate to save a season and their jobs. Just look at Kingsbury's admission that he's willing to give up play calling, a subject previously off limits. Just look at the knee-jerk swing for the fences acquisition of Robbie Anderson and the net resources given to make this work. In the four years with Cliff Kingsbury, Steve Kime has spent a first round pick, four second round picks, a fourth round pick, a fifth round pick, and two sixth round picks for a wide receiver or a tight end. All of that draft capital for two positions and the offense is still stuck on the tarmac. Meanwhile, four years into his NFL career, Kingsbury is 35 and one and regressing in college by the way he was 26 and 30 before getting fired by his alma mater translation he's the same middle of the road head coach he was in college and all of these resources spent to inflate him to save the season and maybe their jobs well it's like throwing good money after bad now you wonder what Vance Joseph might be thinking look at what he's producing with limited resources look at how prepared his players are look Look at the young players growing under his watch like Cam Thomas and MyJ Sanders. There are some conspiracy theorists who believe Joseph was being set up as a potential scapegoat in case the team cratered. And at the very least, he is showing what elite coaching can bring to an NFL team. And that's something we're certainly not seeing on the offensive side of the ball. Today's Bickley Blast brought to you by my great friends at Chapman BMW who make luxury attainable with two great locations and one great experience. Find them online at ChapmanBMW.com. What's going on in Arizona has to call into question Cliff Kingsbury's job. They look awful. And if we're going to sit here and say, well, it's hard to do it without... DeAndre Hopkins, then take the money that you gave Cliff and give it to DeAndre Hopkins. If that we think is just going to be the the simple answer. They've been awful to start games. There's no rhyme or reason to their offense. There's no structure. It is literally, hey, quarterback, go make a play on third and or fourth Mm -hmm. down. That's That's all that they are. And they're lucky that he's such a talent. There's a reason why they put the clause in the contract. I don't mean to go back to that, but there's a reason why it did. He's a tremendous talent. But right now, what's going on there in Arizona offensively? They're too talented offensively. They have good players. Their offense, for the fact that they have an offensive-minded head coach to look as bad as it has, absolutely we have to sit here and go... Is there something going on at the head coaching position that, you know, they need to make a move? That's Dan Orlovsky from ESPN with a minute-long synopsis on what he sees from the Arizona Cardinals. He's not alone in saying that. A lot of people locally see that as well. But I want to focus on what Orlovsky said in that on uh, the way that the offense has boiled down so far this year is, you know, no rhyme, no reason. On third and fourth down, Kyler Murray, go make a play. Mm -hmm. That was a huge problem on Sunday because the Cardinals went 0 for their last 11 on third down conversions against the Seahawks. And they were not good on fourth down And they were not good on fourth down either. And if if that's what it's boiled down to... And everybody knows it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, listen, and that that's that's kind of the fear here. The the fear here is this is 
you know, year four of Cliff Kingsbury and the NFL has seen everything and they've got everything blanketed and everything covered. And that's that kind of kind of is what it looks like to me. And and the bigger question isn't about what are you going to do about making the playoffs this year? It is about what are you going to do to maximize this quarterback and the massive financial investment you made with him? Uh-huh. And and there's a strong case to be made that he needs a new voice, that this quarterback needs a new system. He needs a new voice in his head. Uh, look at the way, as as that dead spin story you pointed out yesterday, just look at the way Pete Carroll and Geno Smith are, are cohabitating. And think of how improbable that is and, and how unbelievable that is. I, I think Kyler Murray would benefit greatly from this. And, and the Cardinals at some point in time are really going to have to do this for him and him alone to protect that investment. Uh, get a, And that's, that's aside from this weekly struggle we see. It, it's when your football team has lost its home field advantage, when it when it yields the kind of scene we saw against the Eagles, and then when their very esteemed play-by-play voice says, once again, this team's a hard watch. Yeah. Here's that ain't f- good for business, Vinny. Go back to your point about Murray maybe benefiting from a coach relationship like the one that Smith and, and Carroll have. I've gone on record. I will continue to be on record. I am uniquely curious to see what Kyler Murray looks like under another head coach in another scheme. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing. After his college career and now into his fourth year as an NFL quarterback, Mm -hmm. there is zero proof, zero evidence at all that Kyler Murray can function in another offensive scheme. That was the big selling point to Kyler Murray as the number one pick. Cliff Kingsbury's head coach, Kyler Murray, day one. You remember all the quotes. He knows this offense like the back of his hand. He right. knows it better than we than well, anybody else because does. Because it never changes. It the offense has just stayed static. Exactly. And, that, and, the, and that's been an issue here. Even during last year, Vance Joseph was asked about uh, what, what does he notice about football teams that continue to improve? And he said the teams that do well are the teams that continue to add and change and evolve as the season goes on. You don't keep repping the same stuff yes. and hoping it works because of execution. That's not the way the league rolls, and and so all these things are up in the air now. And this is this is going to be a fascinating scene on Thursday, given given the lack of prep time that separates Sunday's game from this game, given the Cardinals' wretched string of performances at home, given the league's wretched performances on Thursday night football, given the fact that they don't even have a kicker yet. Although you know it it's it certainly won't be Matt Amendola. I don't think right and, and, and then given the fact that if they fall to two and five this is this is the time when serious organizations pull the plug on a guy especially if you're year four and regressing and that would be a week after giving up draft capital to acquire another wide receiver and, and that's where you got to be dangerous here because the trade deadline is upcoming and if there's continuing to be decisions made to just save our jobs you're going to mortgage the future even more than it's already been uh-huh. and you got to michael bidwell's going to have to be careful of that and a lot riding this week i oh. want to play one more cut uh, on kyler murray this from another espn Commentator, this from Keyshawn Johnson. This is why you leave things up to the experts. Because I tried to tell you his rookie year when they was rolling and I just didn't like Mighty Mouse and I didn't like the Cardinals and things of that nature. Eventually, 
people, these 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 older guys with the gray hair that sit up all night long trying to game plan and scheme, they've been doing this now. They've seen this now for four years. They're eventually going to catch up to you and try to figure out how to stop you. And that's the reality of it. And Cliff Kingsbury has doesn't have a something else in the toolbox. Yeah, that is a. I think yeah. that's actually a good point. I, I do too. The NFL in terms of offense versus defense is a constant game of zigging and zagging and defensive coordinators have zigged to Cliff Kingsbury and they've zigged to Kyler Murray and it's the Cardinals opportunity. It's not impossible but now they need a very drastic zag. Yes, they do. And I don't know if they're capable of it. I, I, you know, again, the acquisition of Robbie Anderson, this guy was about to hit the street. You might not have gotten him if, if you did but it seems to me to get you gave up a couple of draft pieces for a piece you may not have needed, especially with Greg. What a dorch. What a dorch. Drastic zag. Well, Greg Dorch is now the designated guy to stand on the goal line and watch the kickoff go over his head for a touchback. That's, <laughs> is that that's, what his that's, job is That's now? his role on the team. Wow. Uh, we're going primetime this week as we're giving you the chance to win tickets to both the Suns home opener this Wednesday and Thursday night football. Just text primetime to 620-620. Listen for your name all day plus one lucky winner each day will win their choice of a Devin Booker jersey or a DeAndre Hopkins jersey. You can still get entered. Just text PRIMETIME to 620-620. Coming up next, the Phoenix Suns do open their season. Tomorrow night, what can we expect from them and the rest of the NBA, which gets underway tonight. Man, it's here already. We'll get into that next. It's Bickley and Murata mornings on this Tuesday, live from the Auction Community Studios here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Dan Bickley, Vince Murata. Bickley and Murata mornings. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Guys are just ready to play. Uh, I bet if you went around the league, outside of having a really young team, they, they probably coaches want to stay in camp so they can get more stuff done. I think when you have veterans and teams that have a chance to win, like you just want to you want to get to opening night so you can start to go because the games just keep coming and the games are fun. Um, this camp has been not stressful, but it has been competitive. And that competitiveness has created stress. And because of that, you're like, all right, let's play somebody else, man. I'm sick of beating up my brother. Monty Williams, head coach of the Suns, on the eve of the Suns uh, season opener tomorrow night against the Dallas Mavericks at Footprint Center. Um, it, it doesn't seem like it, but we were talking about the you know training camp getting underway. September 26th, that was media day. Okay. That was the month. Okay. It doesn't seem like that long. It's kind of flown by, but yeah. the season is here. It gets yeah, it underway is. tonight with two games. Suns, uh, part of a much break, bigger uh, schedule rollout tomorrow night. And <laughs> the way I view the opener, Bick, it's it's kind of a no-win situation for the Suns. I disagree with that. Do I, I don't know why you don't think it's a win if, I, if they come out and blow out the Mavericks. It, it, it obviously counts as a win. It obviously will have psychological effects on the team. I'm talking about public perception. It's like, oh, now you show up to beat the Mavericks. You had an opportunity to do that in Game 7. Well, you're that, the, you, yeah, but you can't go back and change that. Can't. And if they come out and hammer them, at least it'll make it'll it'll kind of hammer home the idea that what happened in Game 7 was a fluke. 
Yeah, I I, I I can buy into some some of that. But if they lose to the Mavericks, that I think that's what you're afraid that of. That gives the I, haters. I think, of, that's what I think you're yeah. afraid of. I think you're afraid of them losing this game and having this oversized reaction and all this negativity. And, Somebody and jumping all that on stuff. Wikipedia and making yeah. Luka Doncic yeah. the new owner of I, the Suns. I, I, I think I think you're very anxious about that, which could happen. I mean, there are a lot of people who think, look, it, it, this is the year that Luka's going to win that MVP. And so, but but I do think I do think that if the Suns are the competitors. I think they are. I, I think they they know they owe this team something. The Javel McGee revenge game. Yeah, there's that. But uh, you know, them losing big picture could have a lot of negative effects because then you're going to hear, oh, is DeAndre Ayton distracted? Is Cam Johnson distracted? Is well, Chris Paul let's, getting old? Let's get into that because the latest now is the news that broke yesterday after our show was off that Cam Johnson did not get his rookie extension. He did so, not. so like DeAndre Ayton, he's going to go into this year with without the the, the backing of a new deal. So we could be looking at the same situation all over again, and yet Cam Johnson, he's the kind of guy that there, there won't be a reticence from teams to sign him to an offer sheet if he has that kind of year. It, because people at, at the five, you might look at that and go, I, I, yeah, lots of potential, but we don't, we don't. that's not where the game is going. Well, Cam is the modern NBA that's, player. He's the modern NBA player. So if he really flashes this year and grows this year, the Suns might have just done themselves some serious damage. Yeah, I, I agree with that. But... The situate there's similarities with the situation. You got a starter going into restricted free agency two summers in a row. But the difference in the situation and why I don't think this necessarily applies to Cam Johnson the same way it did DeAndre Ayton. All the questions were out there. Cam Johnson is not coming off of a full season and a playoff run where you're like, damn, he, th- this guy has elevated his game. DeAndre Ayton did. And I still don't think the That's lack true. of that extension affected him that much last season until the very end, maybe. Um, and Cam Johnson, look, he's he's going to play a different role this year. He has not been a full-time starter for any length of time in the NBA, so this is new territory for him. But his, his numbers as a starter in a small sample are very good. But your point is also valid. He is a 6'8", two-way wing who can yeah. shoot lights out from three-point range. There's a lot of value in that. And also, what Dan brought up earlier about like if you're not willing to commit to him, if you still want to see something before you give him a contract, why are you so willing to commit to him that to you point, declare him the yeah. closer and the starter uh-huh. and alienate another uh-huh. guy on your team before kinda the makes, season kinda starts? Kind of makes it seem like that's what you wanted to happen, I doesn't think, it? I think Big probably hit on something that's at the heart of all of it is the the hesitation to commit fully to a demand of a contract when an ownership situation is very much up in the air. This is, listen, and I've learned this story for a lot of people who have not seen this, younger NBA fans, this is honestly the way this works. If a businessman, if you've got a business, if you've got a basketball team that you are being forced to sell, or even if you're looking to sell it voluntarily, if you add a big contract to your payroll, that decreases the amount of profit you make on the sale of the team. It's adding expense on that side of the ledger that the new guy has to pay for. And the new guy is going to take that out of the money he gives to you. So it is, it's business 101 to not do anything major until you sell the team. This is what Artie Marino is doing ostensibly with Shohei Atani. He's not going to sign this guy to a $400 million, $500 million contract and then try to sell the team. He's going to leave that for somebody else to do. So, it, so that's perfectly normal. 
And and so in that construct, I, I never really expected Cam Johnson to get this deal. But then I heard reports yesterday that they were offering him four and seventy two, and he wanted four and eighty five. Now, if we're talking thirteen mil over four years. What are you doing? It's like three million. Three change. million. That's a year. not a Shohei Otani contract. No. What's three million between friends? Come yeah, on, right? I got that on me. So, so it's that. <laughs> so, so if they really were going, okay, you know what? Well, we're not supposed to spend money now because the team's for sale. But we'll give you four seventy two. No, you want four eighty five? Nope, can't do that. That would be that would be derelict, especially when you anointed him as a starter to the point where it pushed Jay Crowder out the door. And and now you've got a guy that you've just propped up and said, we love you so much that we're putting Jay on the street, but we're not going to pay you yet because we want you to prove it. And but, but we don't need you to prove it at 72. We need you to prove it at 85. That seems a little bit weird to me. Now, I don't know if that happened for a fact. Yeah. I don't. But if that happened, that makes me a little concerned. All speculation is fair right now. But you're right. There's There is reason. There's very much reason to wonder if cam johnson is going to hit that ceiling i mean the potential is all there but we also saw what this what this did to deandre ayton by the end of last year he handled it well up until he found out he was being floated during the trade deadline and then obviously all hell broke loose. well and look we all love cam johnson and we're still tantalized by what he can become in this league but when he was getting his opportunity as a starter it was very exciting that he got hurt. <clears throat> and the fact of the matter is he does have a pretty lengthy injury history in his three years as a son. Yeah, that's true. And he was not the same player after that injury. No, he, he was, wasn't in the postseason. You're right about he, that. He was not. And and uh, the, oh, you could say that for a lot of players on the Suns. Yeah. It just was a mysterious shift. But So I, so I, so I get... I, I get the reticence, but you you would think they would have learned their lessons from last year, yeah. and, and then and then also, if it is true that Cam Johnson was off the table on any pursuit of Kevin Durant, that's how do you reconcile that with with lowballing him when it's time to pay him? Either way, this could be a costly thing for the Phoenix Suns if Cam Johnson has that kind of year and carries with him ill feelings for what happened. I don't think Cam's built like that, so no, I'm not that worried about it. But the door is always open in restricted free agency because it becomes right. very it becomes very cutthroat at that Good point. point. Uh, coming up next, we will talk some Coyotes hockey. They got their first win of the year last night in Toronto against the Maple Leafs, and we'll talk to Shane Doan about it next. Pickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Don't score! Shane Doan. Shane Doan got a piece of it. I think this goal is going to go to the captain. Captain Coyote. Shane Doan sends a one-hopper on that. He scores! The captain. Coyote's legend Shane Doan. Up early to talk Coyote's hockey with Bickley and Murata. Shot by Shane Doan. He scores! Yeah, during hockey season, once again, uh, every week we will talk to the Coyotes legend, Shane Doan, who joins us right now on the Arizona Sports Line. Doaner, good morning. How are you? Good morning, guys. How are you guys doing? Doing good. Uh, we'll, we'll get to that win in Toronto last night for the Coyotes, but first things first, how does it feel to be the dad of somebody who's ever, uh, forever going to be the answer to a Mullet Arena trivia question? Guy who scored the first, <laughs> Josh scores the first goal in Mullet Arena history. What was that moment like for you? 
You know what? It was pretty special. We were my wife and kids. Uh, my other three kids were all together watching, and uh, actually, Mike Sillinger was was watching with us and uh, his wife. And it was his boy that passed it to Josh. So we had a pretty good uh, we had a pretty good moment there together. It was a lot of fun. Oh, that's very very cool. All right. So um, so uh, going into this year, a lot of people thought, okay, maybe this is the year the Toronto Maple Leafs finally win a cup. How is it going over losing to the Coyotes? Knowing, <laughs> knowing what Toronto thinks of our organization here in the desert. <laughs> well, everyone in Canada is uh, that. That one bothered them quite a bit. Um, <laughs> it's 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 funny. Uh, they were. I'm I'm sure you guys saw or that they have not beat us in regulation in 20 years in Toronto. <laughs> so um, it's one of those things that uh, you don't know how come it works out the way it does, and it's sometimes uh, it's not the best to be on the other side, but to be on this side of it is uh, it's a, it's a funny stat that seems to be working for us. Yeah, I pulled up the article on Toronto Sun this morning, uh, the Lance Hornby article. The first line is, "Yes, Toronto still has a." Coyote problem, uh, and, and not <laughs> all wins are the same. Like it was a tough, a tough couple of games to start the season, giving up six goals apiece uh, to Pittsburgh and Boston. But you know, as somebody who was part of a lot of the the success that this franchise had up in Toronto, what does that do for a team? How much wind does that put in the sails of a young team moving forward? Well, it's 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 huge because well, everybody kind of knows the the center of kind of the hockey world, so to speak, is Toronto. It's it's the way that it, as much as they haven't had necessarily the team success, it's it's such a huge part of the culture up there and, and, and Toronto being kind of the team that is always talked about. Um, obviously, Austin and, and all of his success has been fun to watch as a as a coyote but to go in there and win and to validate i guess some of the some of the things that we've been telling and saying to to the group and and get them excited is is nice you know shane in all the years that i've been watching uh, and covering hockey i've never quite been able to figure out how momentum factors into the power play but i've seen teams that you, you start off seasons and the thing's rolling and it stays hot you've seen good teams with with good units that get thrown out there and, and if they get stoned a few times, it becomes mental. This team now, the Coyotes, I'm talking about. They've they've got it working now. What? How? Help me make sense of what makes a good, sustainable, lasting power play. Ah, you know what? There's probably three or four fundamentals that, when you're doing those fundamentals, it seems to be uh, gives you the best chances. And, and it's kind of like hitting where. If you do, you could be doing everything right and not really getting the bounces, or you can, and the ball isn't kind of falling. Well, same thing with with the power play. As long as you're doing everything right, you're giving yourself a chance to be successful. And things like you got to make sure you're kind of coming downhill, which is all your you got four out of the five guys kind of coming to the net. You got to make sure your toe caps are pointing towards the net. And these are the little things that you, you you harp on and you talk about as a coach and that you're trying to make sure that they're doing the right job. I think Corey Stillman's doing a great job. Andre Tierney's doing a great job um, with the power play. And those two guys are, uh, 
are, are taking a lot of pride in it. And, and then once you start having success, it seems to be like, hey, we got to do those the little fundamentals even better. And then when that happens, you really start to buy in. And like you said, when when you believe, it's the funniest thing. And, and it works. And you don't know how come, but it's true. It, it, it seems to be in hockey when you believe you're, you can do something that it usually works. And when you don't believe you can do something, that's usually right as well. Shane Doan, our guest here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. Uh, not all good news with the Yotes after that win. They got news yesterday that Nick Schmaltz out six to eight weeks with an upper body injury. A lot of fans might not realize this, but he was the second leading scorer on this team and made great strides last year. I mean, that's a bummer. How, how does this team overcome that loss to Nick Schmaltz? Well, that's one that's probably going to be as tough as any to to fill because he just is he can do things that you know the other guys can't do with his speed and with his ability to handle the puck and him and Clayton Keller really developed the chemistry last year and, and having him on the power play would be even better um but at the same time, uh, Mancelli and those guys are some of the young guys are going to have to step in and help. And you look at a guy like Dylan Gunther and, and what he's doing. And you, so you got to have an opportunity for those guys to kind of step in and, and get a little bit more of that offensive time and not and and be counted on in offensive situations. And um, and you, you hope and pray that you can you can wait and kind of hang in there until until Schmaltz gets back. Mm. All right, so are you happy the Dodgers have been eliminated, donor? <laughs> well, I'm a Diamondbacks fan. Right, so, so the um, answer's obviously, right? It doesn't hurt. No, it's not something. It's funny because there's always those teams that um, that are really good and they do everything right that you're like, you're not sure why, but you're kind of happy maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm still. I'm still. We're all happy. <laughs> no, I'm still smiling that uh, Dan asked him what the keys to scoring on a power play was. Anything else you want? How to fly a plane or something else he doesn't know about? Or... <laughs> oh, hey, now that's that's not very nice. That's not very nice. I actually let us in scoring on the power play a few times, Jared. Wow, <laughs> Jared's just responding to you getting the first shot off last week. I know Shane. that's that's all that was. He, whenever I say goodbye to him, he always like, "Oh, you didn't take any shots at me today." <laughs> so I wanted to make sure I got one. In yeah, there. take a couple oh, pre shots. Okay, all right. All right, Donor, before we let you go, now that you have witnessed hockey in uh, what will be the new Coyotes' home here, in a, you know, coming up very soon, what can Coyotes fans expect from the hockey experience at Mullet Arena? What was it like for you? Because yeah, I, I you saw some what, video. It was hopping. <laughs> you know what? It was... Uh, it was... It's so cool for, for the boys, for ASU to to open that and the the student section what they had going on was fun to college hockey and that side of it is is something that's unique and so it was a lot of fun and for our guys to get an opportunity to go in there the building being new and um it's intimate like you're right on top of the you're right on top of the ice and there's some things that are going to be really special that you just will never ever get to do again because uh, the nhl probably will never play in a rink like this again and so you you're going to get to experience something that probably is only going to be only ever going to happen here, and we and you got to enjoy that. Well, Vinny and I were thinking we've got to see this arena soon, so why don't me, you, me, Vinny, meet down there? Just go for a skate. We'll just lace them up and <laughs> skate around in circles, and you know, 
I I think it would be great. A little few high high step crossovers and kind of feel good going. A little bit of right. the Hanson kind of crossovers. The three of us will get going in circles Absolutely. and uh, Absolutely. line it up and, and and drive the net a couple times and get bucked deep and do all the cliches that hockey players do all the time. <laughs> uh, sounds good, Donor. Thanks right, for donor. joining us. As always, we will talk to you next week. All right. See you guys. Thanks so much. Shane Doan, Coyotes Chief Hockey Development Officer. Our guest here every week during hockey season. Uh, Once again, for I think the third straight year with Doner. And you know, the conversations will veer off into different topics. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that's that's one of the beauties of having Shane on every week. Right, right. Uh, Coming up next, week six is in the books. A lot of storylines we haven't gotten into yet. We'll uh, hit some NFL hash marks next. It's Bickley and Murata mornings at Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata hash marks. Takes as a pocket, gets away to the right a little bit. He fires downfield, it is picked off, picked off at the 20 yard line, intercepted by the Bills, picked off by Darren Johnson. He goes down right there, and the Bills have the football. That was the way uh, things shook out late in the Kansas City-Buffalo game on Sunday. The game that, uh, if you were like me, uh, and you had your television locked on the Cardinals-Seahawks game, you didn't watch that epic battle between Mahomes and Allen. Not as high scoring as what we saw, obviously, in the postseason, but a great game and a huge win for the Buffalo Bills. And that was one of the highlights of Week 6 in the NFL was that matchup. And and we've spent a, a, a lot of time today, Bick, talking about how bad the product has been overall. That was one of those games that lived up to the billing. Uh-huh. With Josh Allen making plays down the stretch, the defense coming through, uh, two of the best teams in the league. Are uh, they the two best teams? Um, two best quarterbacks. I I feel comfortable saying Buffalo is there because it's not like Buffalo's had an easy run without injuries. Kansas City might be there, and that's kind of a knock on the rest of you know all the teams in the NFC. Well, I don't know who the class of the NFC is right now. Yeah, generally when Kansas City gets the ball last in a football game, they find a way to win. The difference in this Buffalo team is that they've they've really significantly upgraded their defense to go along with their quarterback play and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, I, I think Buffalo is is the front runner, and I think these are the two best teams. Yeah, I do. You, you said you don't know who the best team in the NFC is, Vince. It's Philly. The Philly is undefeated, and they just beat the second best team in the NFC. Yes, yeah. but they also look very right. iffy against Arizona. That, we're basing it on firsthand experience on a team right. that was not that impressive versus but, a team like us. That's but, even, but even great teams have those kind of games that where they true. just where that they just true. kind of struggle, slog, make mistakes, could have blown you out, didn't, but they win. And then it's like, how do you reconcile that? You don't. You put it in the wind column and you move on. And, and so, yeah, I, I, but I don't, I don't think, even though Philly is unbeaten, I, I, they're not a cut above everybody else, in my opinion. They might be by the end of the year. I think they're the most well-rounded team. I was wrong on Philly. I actually thought Dallas was going to give them a much better game, and it got closer it's, late. But Cooper Rush Cooper, had a Cooper Rush kind of game. He did because he was pressed. They fell yeah. behind, and he was pressed to try to make things exactly. happen. And they, they couldn't rely on their defense, which is still outstanding. Yeah. And we talk yeah, about Philly, this. Philly's the best team. We talked about Minnesota earlier. Their record looks nice. They've had a real, real cushy patch of schedule so far and gotten some breaks. You know, they're, they're atop their division in the West. Who knows? I mean, and the South, 
Tampa Bay is struggling. I mean, Tom Brady continuing to talk about how his team is struggling. Well, we didn't do well in the red area, first of all. We didn't do good. We were second to go on the one, and we didn't do a good job there. We had other red area opportunities. We didn't do a good job there. You know, we had you know opportunities on third and short to extend drives. We didn't do well there. So doesn't matter, you know, who you're playing. If you're not making the plays, then it doesn't matter if it's the Steelers or the Chiefs or the Packers or the Saints. It's you either make the plays or you don't. It's a production business. On the Tampa Bay front. Why does it call it the red area, not the red zone? He probably has an endorsement deal with okay. some company called Red Area. Fair enough. <laughs> some kind of ointment cream. That, uh, yeah. I mean, oh, the, the only, the biggest. <laughs> don't go there, Jared. That's only a bridge away from that ring of fire. And I want you were talking about <laughs> that again. Okay. Um, the biggest change obviously Gronk isn't there anymore Bruce Arians isn't there anymore how much do you think they miss Bruce Arians there were people in Tampa saying they need to get a headset on him and get him back involved with the offense which is interesting to me Um, I, I just think it's just the general vibe of that team it's just look if Tom Brady has always been guy the guy who's always there who leaves no detail overlooked and now suddenly he's cutting corners, there's going to be an effect on this. There's going to be, I think, a counter to this. And the fact that he left that football team on a Friday night and rolled back into town after a wedding, guys have to be looking at him like, okay, really? You're going to yell at us and embarrass us and show us up on the sideline? You ain't even here, homie. Yeah. And that was, I mean... He was and again, he was amped up yelling at his oh, offensive he was. line. And, and look, he's Tom Brady. I get it. I get it. he knows how to play the game. He probably he could probably just go Sunday to Sunday and be fine. So so I do recognize that. But at the same time, he, you know he, he, he's he's gotten where he's he's gotten where he is for a reason, and the and, and the reason is not cutting corners. And now for whatever reason, did you hear his uh, what he said to Jim Gray? By the way, so Tom. <laughs> Uh, he he basically told Jim Gray that, yeah, you know, sometimes as people, you, you make promises that I'll be and, – and you think that maybe I need to make time for this or that. But as a competitor, you always get back to your true authentic self, and you realize what made you who you are. And I'm listening to it going, oh, yeah, man. Your true authentic self. Hey, Tom, yeah. your hair dye is dripping down your face. Right. Tom, I noticed some stubble on your face. Why is it white? <laughs> So he's saying I'm a true competitor, so nothing else in my life matters. That I that to honor my authentic self, I have to follow my my dreams because I am the competitor. Wow. I am the conqueror. Who's going to offer yeah. a 60 year old Tom it's, Brady a contract? And I'm telling you, you know what this is about. Yeah, this, it's a lonely this choice. Real, yes, yes, it's a lonely, it's a lonely choice. Yes. It's also like you wonder though, like in his mind, he's like. You know, you knew who you were marrying. You knew how I was. You know how I, how I am. You know what makes me happy. What makes me go. But that puts he's, everything on the other person well, when is. he's the one who made right. the decision. I, I agree. Right. It's. It seems to me that 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 his partner went along with this to this point, thinking there was a there was a payoff on the back end. Right. Yes. It was going to be a little, you know. And his, in his mind, he's probably goal. like, "I've been this way for twenty years. Why do you think I'll change right. now? I'm the goat. What do you want me to do? Yeah. It's it's just it's really it's really ew. It's really gross. But it's it's also something where you know I I really firmly honestly believe this has nothing to do with Tampa. This is I believe this is Tom Brady one. Wanting not to play this year, wanting to play on next year and maybe two more years somewhere else. And I bet you he already knows where that is. And we don't. Miami. This isn't 
Yeah, there's already been a meeting on a boat somewhere. Right. Exactly. And and it's so it's really I think he's just checking off the boxes this year till he can get out of Tampa and finish his career somewhere else where he wants to be. And where he wants he's got to have everything around him. He always but gets what he wants. This is where it doesn't make sense to me is his first year in Tampa in a very difficult situation for all teams. They were the team that came out on top in his first year there. It was like, okay, I brushed all the New England off me. And I'm winning a Super Bowl there. That was the perfect tap-out opportunity. Perfect. And now he's going down that road of he will tarnish his own image by staying out there as long as he wants to stay out there. It's impossible to stay. Nobody's ever done it before. It's impossible to stay on top that long. And we're seeing it play out. So the you know the younger generation of football fans are going to be like Tom Brady. Ugh, he was really bad at the end of his career. Yeah, like the people that watched Willie Mays in a Mets uniform in the early seventies, they don't remember the say hey kid. They remember a shell of that guy. Listen, unfortunately, if if he weren't so into himself, he got his number retired. If he didn't have this brand that is fraudulently selling eternal youth, if he didn't have. A clothing line with his face on every shirt that he wears. I might be a little more sympathetic to this, but this it it, it is really kind of disturbing to see a man that chained to this game for his identity. I mean, what, it is disturbing to see that man. I agree. These days, that's kind of like his head is getting longer. That's kind of like seeing. <laughs> you notice that? Yeah, it like is. It, right. It's kind of like seeing the guy wearing his Letterman's jacket at the football game on a Friday night. Exactly. Even though he graduated twelve years earlier, Ugh. it's that guy. All right, all right, all right. The saying with my friends is that guy drinking Zima in the parking lot. <laughs> Zima. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yes. Oh. Zima. <laughs> Pathological. Mm-hmm. Uh, coming up next, uh, the nine o'clock hour starts in fashion with uh, social studies. Sarah Cazell will take us through it next. Bickley and Murata mornings live from the Oxygen Community Studios here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.